Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. And your host today is my colleague, Andrew Lacey. The mainstay of UK high streets for much of the 20th century is now in structural decline. The shutters are down. A retail era has ended. It's closing time for the last time at this store in St Albans. It's been here for 44 years. British home stores have been on UK high streets since 1928. An English institution is set to close its doors for good. Woolworths, which has been in business for 99 years, is expected to close all its stores in about a week. Today's the last day at HMV. It's obviously really sad. It's, it's been around this store for as long as I've been alive. It's a sad time for us all. Toys R Us had over 100 UK stores and more than 2,000 workers, but it's just the latest casualty. The growth of e-commerce means councils and communities are now nursing an increasing number of vacant shops in town centres. Yeah, I think it's interesting over the last decade or two to see how our town centres have become increasingly vacant, increasingly obsolete and probably the part of the town that is most most underused in a way. That is Chris Santer, a fund manager at Schroeder's Capital. They've really gone from really the focal point of the town and where we all used to come together to meet, to socialise, to share ideas, to innovate, to consume services to actually no longer serving the needs of the local community. We really believe in the town centre. That's Lydia Murray, a product manager at Schroeder's Capital. All of the sort of infrastructure goes into ta- the town centre, be that the buses, be that the trains, the cab ranks are there. Traditionally, it's also been the place of employment uh, where we work uh, and also traditionally where we lived as well. And so much of the sort of social fabric of our towns is in the town centre. And really we've seen over the last few decades and particularly since COVID, a real hollowing out of our town centres. Online sales represented 5% of total retail in the UK in 2005. In 2022, this number had risen to 27%. Uh, And yet around one in seven shops and one in five shopping centres units are now empty. As a result, some town centres are now caught in a vicious cycle of boarded up shops, declining attractiveness and falling footfall. I think some of the challenges of town centres is based, it's occupied by different people or different entities than those that own the buildings and the land. So you have this question of occupation and you have different occupiers on the high street or in the town centres who will have differing fortunes. But also, I think you find that more so than most parts of the town, the town centre is really fragmented in terms of its ownership. It's been broken up into these tiny little parcels, all owned by different investors or owners and entities, and actually bringing them all together to sometimes affect change that needs to happen on a larger scale is very, very difficult because everyone has different priorities and everyone has different needs. So that's been a real challenge for councils and uh, people interested in regeneration over the last few years. In this show, we discuss the future of retail in the UK, why the regenerating of UK town centres is so important and the important role investors will play in delivering more prosperous, resilient towns. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download.
Already under pressure from online sales, the pandemic triggered a wave of retailer insolvencies in 2020. New data says that in the UK in 2020, over 17,500 chain stores closed down. The decline is the biggest seen in over a decade, which accounts for nearly 1 in 20 stores closing. The average rate of closures was 48 stores per day. Well, I think we've all been used to some time uh, failures on the high street. I mean, I think this started off some time ago, a couple of decades ago with, we'll remember, video shops and record shops. Mm. And some of us are old enough to remember HMV. Uh, and then the closure of banks. And we're all familiar with once, which were once great buildings, which are now a wine bar or a restaurant or a coffee shop. And that's mm. been another major change on the high street. There's been a huge decline in the number of um, uh, banks, uh, bank branches, which... I can understand the economic argument, but I just think for communities, this is a mm. point the Express is making, especially rural communities, you know, that's like one of the few... Um, hubs. Hubs, community. exactly, community hubs that they've got. But I think when things really started changing for the town as a whole is when some of the department stores, unfortunately, filed for insolvency. Those department stores like BHS, like Debenhams, had always been anchors of town centres and anchors of, of, of shopping centres. Now, one of the biggest names on the high street, BHS, will close its remaining 22 stores this weekend, bringing to an end almost 90 years of British retail history. All the efforts to save Debenhams, one of the biggest names on the British high street, have come to nothing, and 12,000 staff are now set to lose their jobs. And I think once they closed, they created this sense of larger-scale vacancy, uh, and a reduction in footfall, which then had a knock-on impact for other retailers too. And I think we've also noticed, I certainly personally have anecdotally noticed that a number of shops, potentially the smaller retailers, closed during COVID. They didn't have the resilience of some of the larger chains, and so they had to close despite best efforts. Um, but over and above that, I think what brought... Um at home for, for us in COVID is where we were restricted to our local area. Really, if your town centre didn't have, um, you know, bakeries or convenience retail or um, leisure activities outside, um, I think the the communities really suffered. Um, we obviously couldn't go into the major cities. We had to remain local, and um, there had a there was a real kind of response to that. You know, kind of innovative solutions, pop up shops, pop up bakeries. I know in my local town, um, you know, there was a pop up brewery turned up and yeah. um, a bakery. The, you know, kind of, but just the services that would have historically been there. You know, the other dynamic, of course, is that. Uh, a lot of uh, retailers have moved out of out of town, out of town centres, and there's uh, this emergence uh, and growth of kind of big box stores outside of town centres. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been going on for some time. Yeah. Uh, but that that trend continues as well. We see a number of announcements most recently. Perhaps, for example, Marks and Spencers, who are committing to the uh, out of town retail format, which is great because it works for them. But at the same time. It also leaves behind uh, a hole in the town centre for which there's a, a need and an opportunity to backfill with with different types of uses as well. And and what was it that led those retailers to move out of town centres? Why did they do that in the first place? I suspect for, for a number of reasons, there are attractions to retailers of being out of town, whether it's the rents that they can pay, whether it's the more simple layout of a building. I mean, if you're a retailer, it's just probably quite frankly more simple to retail from a large 
square uniform box than it is from a converted Victorian building, for example. Uh, I think there's also some questions around the overall service charges. Uh, shopping centres do have high service charges in comparison to uh, out-of-town retail locations. And same for th unseen taxes like business rates as well. But I think the out-of-town retail locations all still do have the benefit of large amounts of car parking and accessibility too. So it, it, it's not a prison. I can see why a number of retailers mm. like those locations and want to move to those locations. Although all towns have been affected by the decline in high street shopping, poorer towns have generally been hit harder uh, than, than more prosperous towns. It is towns that generally are more deprived that have suffered more uh, in, in the last few years from retail closures and elevated vacancy. Uh, these typically tend to be uh, in some of the more challenged parts of the major cities like London uh, and also across towns and cities of the former industrial belt of the North and the Northeast. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is something that we feel creates an opportunity uh, to bring different needs uh, or to answer to different needs in those towns, uh, an opportunity that hasn't really existed before to bring new and different uses back into the town centre for those communities. So if the retailers have deserted uh, the town centres and town centres are so important to the community and the economy, who's filling the void and will it be enough? That's coming up in part two. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website shorters.com forward slash the investor download. Fewer retailers and town centres has created space for more bars, coffee shops, restaurants and local independent retailers, but they have only partially filled the gap. Well, I think there's a limit to how far those uses can grow and develop. And I think for those uses to continue to grow, it needs increased demand, which comes from footfall, which comes from people traveling back into the town center or indeed living in the town center. We've seen this concept of the 15 minute city, which is increasingly gaining traction. What if you could live in one of the world's great metropoles, but never had to commute? There's a way you could meet all your basic needs within a short walker cycle from home. It's called the 15-Minute City. The concept is simple. Plan urban environments with human beings at the centre instead of cars. Instead of separate neighbourhoods for living, working and socialising, the 15-Minute City imagines places where all three functions coexist. And if I go, I think Manchester is a wonderful example. If you go to Manchester and you see the number of new homes that have been built in the city centre, it adds real vibrancy and life to the city centre, you mm -hmm. can sit on the street, you can see the increased number of people who are there, who are working, who are consuming services from local businesses. And it can add a real vibrancy, which I think can have a positive cycle, especially for some of the poorer towns in terms of creating more demand and more footfall yep. uh, and, and a greater, more more sustainable use of space. Yeah, and there's that balance issue as well, isn't there? If you have too many bars, there's sort of there can be some social implications, um, and uh, it can sort of uh, create occasionally more problems that it's solved. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, we agree. I think it's the mixed use development where you have that sort of ecosystem of people living and working 
and consuming services, sort of leisure or essential services as well, all in the same area can be can create really sort of vibrant and sustainable locations. Mm -hmm. There is a broader issue too at the national level, housing, especially social and affordable housing, is in short supply. With an overabundance of empty shops, it feels as though retail space conversion could kill two burns with one stone. There has been a shortage of house building. Over the last few decades, the government had set a target originally of 240,000 new housing units per annum. Uh, and a few years ago, increased that to 300,000 housing units per annum of new housing stock in the UK. And for decades, we have built less than that target. Yeah, I mean, there is a housing crisis across the country. It's different in different parts of the country. I think if we look at affordability, we can see that that's getting stretched right across the country. And it's about delivering quality homes where people want to live that are affordable, whether that's to purchase or indeed to rent. And not only have we built less than that target, we've also built less affordable housing than we used to do in the 60s, 70s and 80s, where typically affordable housing, then built by councils, was about 30% of all new housing building in the country. Social housing that's provided by the private sector, but the state pays for it with housing benefit. Our housing benefit bill is up above 30 billion pounds. Absolutely huge amount of money because there is a lack of social housing. Now, housing associations who are fulfilling that role and doing an admirable job, they actually account for some 15 to 20% of annual house building. So we're building much less affordable housing than we used to. And in the meantime, a lot of the council housing that had been built has been sold off under the right to buy schemes. So we do think that there's a great opportunity to deliver more housing in city centres, more affordable housing. And I think really a, a very interesting opportunity exists now where, as we've noted, retail has moved out of the city centre. It's creating larger areas in a single ownership which can now be repurposed. I think you need to think very carefully, and one needs to think very carefully about turning a shop into a home. That's not what we're proposing, but where these shops are no longer being used. And for example, where there's large areas of single ownership, say a shopping center, a second shopping center in a town, which is no longer needed, that can be repurposed and redeveloped for residential and other mixed uses. These changes would have a huge impact upon the look and feel of a town. Uh, fairly immediate improvements in carbon emissions and air quality could be envisioned. Uh, how else, though, could the, the dynamic of the new city change? Are there any potential downsides to uh, living in town centres or there being more housing in town centres? I think that's a really interesting concept. And I think as we look through our lives and we grow up from sort of um, school and education, we go into, we want to be in those vibrant economic um, cities where people work, play and, and consume in the same area. However, I do think for the majority of the population, that is a quite a finite um, amount of time that you want to do that. Perhaps once you start having children um, and you, or perhaps you um, grow in your career and you want more space, city centre living isn't going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So, but that does create a sort of um, an occupational shift. So people move out into kind of the suburbs and further out. And then the next generation of, of um, 
tenants move in. So it does continue to keep the, the um, property market moving um, and allows the sort of younger demographic to enjoy city centre living and where they have the most freedom in terms of time, they can um, really consume everything that's there in that moment. Diversifying town centres away from retail makes a lot of sense, but it won't be easy. Well, there are always a number of challenges with regeneration. It's it, it's not simple uh, and it requires uh, a variety of different skills uh, and people interacting and coming together and bringing their skills together from a variety different of, of different ways. I think one of the key things that is important to remember is that the community that's there at the moment isn't left behind. Mm-hmm that it's not just a process of gentrification and new people moving into an area, but that existing communities are respected and it provides a solution for all. That a solution is provided for for everyone in the town centre, including the existing communities too. And perhaps sometimes that's that, that's been one of the criticisms of regeneration in the past is that it hasn't taken into account those existing communities. So I think that's one of the areas we're very keen to focus on is to make sure that all stakeholders and the voices of all stakeholders are, are taken into account. And that's not always an easy thing to do. The government has taken action. It has reformed the planning system to make it easier to convert empty shops uh, into other uses and, and cut business rates for retailers. It has also announced a series of different measures designed to kickstart regeneration schemes, uh, including a £4.8 billion pounds investment from the Leveling Up Fund, £2.6 billion pounds for the Towers Fund and a billion pounds from the Future High Streets Fund. But are these initiatives and funding enough? I think the UK government has very great ambitions to help um, develop regional um, economic prosperity across the UK. I think we all agree that having you know London as the epicentre of the country doesn't fully exploit the, the benefits of the entire UK. However, unfortunately, the UK government cannot address all of the issues um, in one go and really requires institutional capital to support them develop um, solutions to the, the problems that we have here. Um, I think that it is a great starting point and if um, UK public sector money it works in partnership with um, institutional capital, we can really find some positive um, progress and deliver solutions to some of the wider societal problems in the UK. So what then is the investment opportunity in regeneration? As we've discussed, I think um, town centres, although it's where all the infrastructure goes, it's where the essential services are, they have been unloved for the last couple of decades and really the opportunity now from the UK government demonstrating a real desire to support greater regional um, prosperity, combined with institutional capital really wanting to deliver on net zero and on social aspects, addressing social issues. The great thing about real estate is it's a tangible solution. So we, through investment in real estate, we can support some of these ambitions through perhaps through in creating workplaces, perhaps through providing um, more affordable and social housing, um, and also looking at that whole scale town centre regeneration. And I think the expertise that real estate investors can, um, the solutions that real estate investors can deliver, um, can support that regional um, prosperity. The government has done a number of things to help. We absolutely welcome the investment that they've made. 
but it's only so far it can go. And we firmly believe that private capital has a role to play alongside the public sector in delivering some of these places and buildings that we think can have really positive social impact. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroders Podcast at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products, or to adopt any investment strategy.